Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this live edition of the show. This is going to run for you on Monday if you're a Draft Dudes subscriber, but if you're listening right now on the Instagram live feed, thank you and welcome to our audience, and also welcome Kyle to the show. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Fun weekend in football. A lot of exciting games, uh, a lot of interesting tilts, interesting results, interesting performances, not just from a college perspective, but also in the pros. A lot of young guys had really interesting performances. Obviously, I was very invested in the Dolphins-Jets game, seeing Sam Darnold put up massive numbers like only a Dolphins defense can allow for a rookie quarterback. Uh, Micah Fitzpatrick performed tremendously. Uh, He looks like a Pro Bowl caliber player in two, two games already looks that good. So uh, excited to kind of unpack some of the transgressions that were this week. Yeah, I got a chance to see some young football players as well. Obviously, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in his debut. And uh, of course, a full slate of college games. So uh, we'll we'll just kind of dig into this thing, Kyle, starting with, with Saturday. If we will, we'll kind of work our way backward and get to Sunday. Um, big thing that I wanted to see on Sunday was, or excuse me, on Saturday was two quarterbacks. Jarrett Stidham, Auburn, going up against that LSU defense, and Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from Ohio State, going up against TCU. I want to start off by getting into Stidham. Uh, man, he's been kind of had some buzz as recent as this week, this past week, about him being like a QB1 type guy and, and somebody that the NFL really likes. And, man, it's it's hard to to agree with that, right, just kind of by the way that he's playing. Um kind of dates back to last year, some of the impressions that I had from him watching him live as well as uh, throughout summer scouting. It's just like, I don't think he's a super instinctive passer. And I don't think he's a guy that has a lot of great traits either. And so this combination of like average across the board and then slow processing skills, modest accuracy, I just don't know that there's a lot of high-end traits where this is like a top of the first round type talent. Like he's being touted right now. I think you saw that against a good defense like LSU. And so for me, the top of the first round type discussions with Jarrett Stidham are something that's confusing. 
Yeah, I think it's pretty misplaced in all honesty. Uh, just when he has to get off schedule and move beyond his first read and and handling pressure, those things are all very concerning qualities of Jarrett Stidham's tape and, and things that you want to see more from, but you really just don't know with that that offense that they're running there how much frequency he's going to get and and the different looks that he's going to be able to put on film. It's it's kind of that kind of offense that it it is what it is. There's vertical shots, but not a lot of the side to side working across the field of play. And uh, in those situations is where it feels like Stidham's kind of at his worst. So uh, I definitely think that's a, a frustrating element. But Joe, uh, there was a quarterback prospect that did look pretty damn good. And I'm, of course, talking about Dwayne Haskins for Ohio State. Tough sledding in the first half of that football game in the second half. You know, they got a turnover. They had a, a tunnel screen that broke for 60-plus yard touchdown play. And it kind of the levees broke. Haskins played loose. And this was a big test because they beat up on, what, Rutgers and Oregon State? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you turn around and, and you get TCU, who played very admirably for probably 50 cumulative minutes of a 60-minute football game. They had a short stretch in the third quarter where the wheels kind of fell off the bus and lo and behold, Ohio state puts 20 unanswered points in like 10 minutes of real time. Uh, but I really appreciated the arm talent that I see from Haskins. Uh, his playmakers didn't help him in the first half. They kind of picked him up in the second half. He just kind of kept plugging away, kept doing what he was doing and it paid dividends for Ohio state. Yeah, man, that dude, 11 Austin Mack, he was dropping everything. He's normally yeah. a sure handed guy. Like, like yeah. what the hell, man? Um, so one thing I want to say about Haskins, obviously, I, if anyone read Six Pack Thursday and kind of heard me talk on the Thursday show, that I'm pretty excited about what he can be. I mean, he's got all the traits. He's big, sturdy, accurate, plenty of arm strength. I really like his footwork. I think he's like just a, a very like just a smooth passer. Uh, really was excited against TCU to see some opportunities for him to play and have to deal with pressure, which I thought he was kind of hit or miss with, but. The fact that he didn't look awful in those situations, I think, is something that's a good takeaway because it's really the first time that we saw him challenge with different looks, you know, that Gary Patterson is going to challenge you with some exotic schemes and, and those types of things. And I thought for the most part, while there were some down moments, hell, Tom Brady had some down moments today against pressure. That's going to happen. But for the most part, I thought Haskins really handled himself well and looked like a guy that, you know, I'm excited to see him progress. He's going to play a lot of other good defenses in the Big Ten. And, um, you know, we'll see. He's a redshirt sophomore, but he's probably a guy that I'm a lot more excited about than I am Stidham at this point. Yeah. Joe, a quick question. How are you holding up with the rain, man? Uh, we're good. We're good. The big the big yeah. concern this weekend was, was losing power, and it didn't happen. And so I was able to watch all the football I wanted to this weekend. Bless him. Yeah, it was huge. My backyard is like a pond. Uh, you know, if, I don't know if you can cast a line out there. You might be able to catch a catfish or something but uh uh you know no power a lot of people around me though are, are in trouble with a lot of flooding and they're you know different situations so a lot of thoughts and, and well wishes with the people around me but for me specifically i am okay valentine's day is just around the corner and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by manscaped manscaped is the best in men's below the belt grooming Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling Grundle Bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, 
Do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. That's good. You froze there for a second. So, but uh, no, <laughs> me never. Um, any other takeaways from the Saturday slate? Uh, we don't have too many. Uh, questions scrolling through that i'm seeing joe unless you're seeing something different than i am but any other takeaways you had from the saturday slate i just wanted to comment on uh deontay thompson the safety from alabama uh man what an outstanding performance and one thing that i was really excited to see going into that game was how alabama was going to match up with ole miss because ole miss has like four deep in terms of their receivers plus dawson knox at tight end that are like super talented guys uh, and, you know, the one thing we didn't know about Alabama this year was that secondary. You know, a lot of new pieces, their top three corners and top two safeties are all in the NFL right now. So we just didn't know a whole lot about them. And so, you know, we're talking about this Ole Miss passing game that is just loaded with weapons and they held them to seven points. And I think a lot of that is because of what Deontay Thompson can do working in multiple capacities, whether it's man coverage you know, he bailed out. He disguised coverage well. He gave him some single high stuff where he actually lined up much closer to the line of scrimmage and bailed out. And you saw the force fumble. You saw the interception. And, man, like, I know that <laughs> it's it's early. He's only started, like, four games. But, man, he's got, like, top-end traits, like top 15-type talent for me. And he's continuing to impress. And I think you, know, you look at this Bama team, man, they, they held Ole Miss to seven points. They put up 62. Yeah. Who's yeah. beating Bama, man? Who's, I know you got to play all the games. But this team looks like it's freaking good. Well, I know you, um, you've you seen my top 25 poll already. Uh, that hasn't published at the Draft Network for the week. But this was the week that was like, all right, can't ignore too. the writing on the wall anymore. It's time to put Bama up at one. I I'd carried Clemson from the preseason week one, week two. Bama wins 62-7 against Ole Miss at Ole Miss with that offense. I mean – they were just unbelievable. And, you know, Mac Wilson had a good game in that game as well. I know he kind of had a, an injury scare there, but seemed like he was all right. So that was good to see. And uh, Raekwon Davis was, you know, very disruptive up front. They'd got all these horses. And then Tua, uh, I'm doing Heisman hopefuls this week for Draft Network. And Tua's at five. You know, I never would have guessed Alabama would have a quarterback. And he played like a quarter and a half against Old Miss. And he's unbelievable. Joe, he has not thrown an incomplete pass on third downs yet through three games. That's unbelievable. 
13 of, 13 of 13 and six touchdowns on third down through three games this year. He's a field general out there too, man. I mean, he yeah. looks like Russell Wilson, yeah. kind of the way he commands that offense and moves Don't around. Don't do it. I Don't said he looks it. like Russell Wilson. Don't you do it. Well, he's fun. Hey, look, I, there's a lot of bad Russell Wilson comps out there. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we're, we're starting this thing, on if you join us on Saturdays, uh, that I won't be able to live up to with consistency because I'm actually going to be in the press box at a lot of games. But if I hear bad player comps on TV broadcasts, we're turning it into a drinking game. So highly encourage you guys, if you're watching at home on Saturdays and you want to get in on the fun, you know, grab a shot glass and whatever your adult beverages of choice. If you're of age, we do not recommend any illegal activities. But if you're of age and join us for the party on Saturdays, uh, we had a couple doozies. We've had a couple doozies each of the last couple weeks, Joe. Um, I want to take the lead on NFL. Go right ahead. You go right ahead. Where do you think I'm going to go with this? I'm just curious. You're going to go about talk about Josh Allen. No, no. I'm going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Kyle, and I'm pissed about the close of that Minnesota-Green Bay game. Cornerback one, Jair Alexander, had the game clinched, brother. Did you see this play? Because if you didn't, this is disgusting stuff. They called a, a roughing the passer on Clay Matthews for a what I thought was not even like a bang-bang, like a normal hit in the NFL, a normal hit in the midsection of Kirk Cousins. And they had the audacity to call roughing the passer, negating the game-clinching interception by Jair Alexander. Was, extending it, was, the it, game. was it driving weight forcibly no, into the ground? Do, dude. I saw it's, the play. I just didn't know what they were, what their justification was. I didn't listen to the referee's explanation. All I knew that he called roughing the passer at a disgusting time. And uh, look, I mean, uh, there was missed field goals. Both teams had an opportunity to win the game. Um, and uh, I just look. I just I, I, I'm on this Packers thing right now because I don't have much to root for in the NFL right now. And uh, and so I wanted to see Aaron Rodgers pull out that win. And uh, also Mike McCarthy, like, they got the ball back late in the fourth quarter. Like, he was playing for overtime with Aaron Rodgers yeah. as his quarterback. Like, Couldn't be me. The, the, last, the last minute of that game into overtime was just highly frustrating for me. Can, can we talk about not playing cowardly and talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and them sticking their foot on the throat of the New England Patriots by continuing to drop back and throw the football as they were trying to clock the game. <laughs> Balls no, of steel. End, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah. Why are you punting yeah. with seven minutes and change left on fourth and inches down 11? Didn't make a lot of sense. And their possession before that and that possession, they started both of those possessions with handoffs. Why? To, to prevent your pass rush from teeing off on you? It, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're going to tee off on you every chance they get. But those the play Jaguars going for the Patriots was weird down the stretch. Well, and it seems like the Jaguars played Patriots football. It, I mean, yeah. a lot of quick passes, a lot of yak. A lot of just uh, opportunities where Blake Bortles knew where his outlet outlet receiver was every single time he was pressured and just yeah. hit it with consistency, and they created for him. So, like, it felt like I was watching the Patriots play, but in Jaguars' uniforms. It was 
it was an interesting game. And that's going to be yeah, a big no. one because these two teams are going to be right there in the playoff conversation. We're talking about tiebreakers, all that type of stuff. Obviously, Jacksonville's all kinds of pissed off from that AFC championship game. This yeah. looks like a team that I don't want to mess with. You know what the problem was for the Patriots? They had no organic pass rush at all. You know, Bortles consistently was able to get back in the pocket and allow that crossing route to clear. And they, they just stole from him with the crossing route because, you know, you, they, you've got outbreaking patterns and the crossers bake, breaking back against the grain. So you're sucking zone coverage out. You're opening up these big vacancies in the middle of the field. And Bortles was under no pressure. And the few occasions which they kind of got to Blake and rattled his cage, he put the ball out there a little bit. But by and large, New England just could not threaten the, uh, the Jacksonville pocket. So uh, fascinating stuff and really loved them learning their lesson versus the AFC championship game where they really shelled up and kind of played close to the vest. Not this time. And and if Blake Bortles is going to be able to play half as well as he played today, you better look out boy, because I mean, that, (laughs) that that was without Leonard Fournette. Yeah. They had a more than two to one pass to run ratio. Yep. I I think at one point they had, 36 pass attempts and 11 rushes as their play calling. And they beat the tar out of the Patriots. It's pretty impressive stuff. We both got a chance to see the rookie quarterbacks, right? You got to see Darnold against the Dolphins. Obviously, I saw the yeah. Bills, uh, Josh Allen and the Bills against the Chargers. So I, I'm, I'd like to kind of get into that a little bit. Um, I guess I'll start talking about Josh Allen. Really thought it was a bad game plan to start, Kyle. Um, Brian Dable, he runs an Earhart Perkins passing offense. And uh, if you're not familiar with what that is, is it puts a lot of stress on the quarterback to work progressions, to read the defense, to work the football uh, to to deeper portions of the field and just kind of like diagnose coverage and and know where to go with the football. There's not a lot of scheme throws. There's not a lot of uh, timing type stuff. It's well, it is. It's of course, it's all timing, but it really puts a lot of stress on the quarterback to read and and deliver. And, And come on, I mean, Josh Allen's big knock coming out of college was accuracy footwork and decision-making and processing. And so to, to put him in his first start and ask him to kind of drop back and survey and, and rock and fire, I think was pretty stupid. And the bills got off to a really slow start. Offensive lines, obviously terrible. There's not a lot of playmakers in the passing game. And before you can blink, they're down 28 to three at halftime. Well, then Vontae Davis, you know, he retires at halftime, like, like normal NFL players do when they're decided to call it a career and the bills came out and played a lot better in the second half. They actually outscored uh, the chargers 14 to three. And I thought it was a much better utilization of Josh Allen's skill set in terms of some scheme stuff, getting him on the move, just uh, simplify the game plan, take advantage of his athleticism, allowed him to run a little bit. And the bills offense was a lot more efficient. Um, early in the game, I think my big takeaway from Allen was that, the looks that I think the Bills wanted, they were there. His eyes just weren't there. Like his eyes weren't going where the progressions were supposed to be. And there was there was receivers that aren't, weren't even like questionably open. Like they were definitely open, but his eyes weren't there. And so, you know, working all the components of a passing play together, like we always were concerned about with Josh Allen, you know, working it all together to, to result in consistency was the problem. But then I thought that changed a lot as it, as it went on. I think it's really good for Josh to get this experience right now, even though the infrastructure is bad with this Buffalo offense, that it gives him an opportunity to see these looks, opportunity to understand what the Bills offense is trying to do, and hopefully in, in what looks to, to likely be a season where Buffalo's you know going to win you know, zero, one, two, three games. 
for him to kind of get all this out of his system now. Uh, and so I think it's going to be valuable experience for him. He did have a couple of interceptions later in the game that were underthrows, which is weird for Josh Allen. You'd expect him to, to overthrow. I guess he's got plenty of arm strength. But uh, for the most part, I thought early in the contest, at least some of the mistakes he was making with processing weren't leading to turnovers, which changed later on uh, in the game. So, uh, look, some takeaways that are good. It didn't look too big for him. He made some plays. Uh, the game plan evolved, which which was better for Allen. But uh, by and large, you know, I, you know, this isn't a situation where Allen looks like he's going to take the NFL by storm. You know what I mean? Like a Ben Roethlisberger yeah. did in his rookie season or something like that, or Russell Wilson. Now, do you want to run that by me again? You said the Bills might win zero games this year. Uh, I mean, they're down. They're, you, the, you, you use the number. You use the number zero. The, the, the line, the, they play at Minnesota next week, and the line already came 16 out. 16 and a half. 16 and a half. I mean, the, 16 and a half. The Bills, aren't, the Bills won't be favored once this year, and they shouldn't be. They're overmatched. They don't have the talent to, to compete. And there's a lot of young players on this team. There's a lot of old players, too. There's a lot of young players in key positions, and, like, it's, they're overmatched. I mean, honest to God, the Bills are just overmatched right now. So before I get into Darnold, let's talk about Vontae Davis real quick. $5 million salary, guaranteed money because he was on the roster on opening day. He was inactive week one, played yep. one half of football, and then quit on the team. Yep. Mm, bad, I, there's there's got to be some way Buffalo can recoup that money. There's got to be some way they get that money. Yeah, I mean, I. That's awful. Look, if you're done playing, you're done playing. You realize you don't have it anymore. You don't have it anymore. And tell the coaching staff, but don't walk out of the building. Don't retire and quit at halftime. Be a man about it. Finish the damn game. Retire tomorrow. I mean, you want to talk hold, about your. Put, put your helmet in your locker and stand there on the sideline and yeah. wait for the game to be over. You don't got to leave at halftime. I mean, yeah, that's just. Be a man about it. Uh, I, had, I, I had this realization that uh, <laughs> this wasn't for me anymore, and I meant no disrespect, but I'm going to pack my bags and leave at half. Oh, he got dusted by Mike Williams. Shame, shameful explanation. Wait, Mike Williams ran by him? Well, yeah. The, like the first drive of the game was a touchdown pass to Mike Williams where, I mean, just Vontae couldn't run with him. Did you, do you remember him trying to tackle John Ross in the preseason too? Yeah, do I remember? Yeah, it looked like a clown. <laughs> Philip Gaines won the starting job over, bro. I mean, it says what you need to know. Yeah, he got his $5 million, though, so it is what it is. Um, real quick kind of summarization of Sam Darnold and his performance against the Dolphins. Uh, shut out in the first half. Uh, they got nothing going throughout the first four or five possessions of the half. Uh, right before halftime, they had a big uh, chunk game kind of kick-started. They went into two-minute drill, and big surprise, where's Sam Darnold always been at his best? Situational football, two-minute drill, right before the half, third down passing, red zone passing, all these things kind of rolling together. And uh, the two-minute drill, Sam really came into his own, and uh, Todd Bowles kind of mismanaged timeouts at the end of the game. They had the ball about the 15 of the 20, and uh, 10 seconds left on the clock. Uh, Darnold takes a throw right up the hash, uh, and the ball's caught at the two. The player takes a hit, fumbles the ball at the one, picks the ball back up, tries to run in the end zone. He's tackled inbounds at the two-yard line, and the clock runs out, and they get no points at half. And it was just kind of like a brutal, like you could have totally seen it 
take completely taking the wind out of the sails for the Jets. Uh, but they came back out. They got the ball to start the second half. And Sam really found a rhythm. He kind of worked the intermediates uh, to, into the boundary, was where he had a lot of success. Dolphins kind of playing uh, deeper coverage. And uh, I thought he really fell into a rhythm, and they, they found a little bit of balance to try and negate some of the pass rush. Miami's pass rush was ferocious in the first half. They were schooling Beecham at left tackle. Uh, Robert Quinn made him look foolish several times. And it was a, it was a really impressive um, – perseverance showing for Sam Darnold in that regard for continuing to take hits and get back up and uh, battled. They battled their way back into the football game. He made a couple bad decisions with the football. He threw an interception in the red zone in the second half with Xavier Howard kind of undercut the throw on a post route. Uh, Sam didn't place it all that well. Sam missed several throws in the first half, including a would be touchdown uh, on that two minute drill offense. Uh, Saw his receiver late and threw it. It was kind of throwing it away and then decided you wanted to try and put it on the body of a new one. It was out of balance by about two yards too much. Uh, so he missed some throws, but I appreciated his ability to stick in there and kind of ride out a really tough first half, get that team in a position where they could potentially go down and win the game. Uh, Miami ultimately put that game on ice with a, a clutch drive in the final minutes. Uh, thanks to the wheels on Ryan Tannehill looking pretty good. He uh, pulled on a couple zone read type looks and, uh, he had more rushing yards than the Jets did as a team Ooh. on the day. Ryan Tannehill did. I think Tannehill finished with 47 rushing yards. I believe the Jets finished with 43. Mm-hmm. So, as we Tannehill expect. back. Yes, Who's of course. The, Just how you drew it up. Is the uh, uh, Dolphins winning the AFC East, and what's going on here? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Huh? I don't know. They, if the Patriots' defense continues to look as bad as what it did against Jacksonville, like – Jacksonville played a game that was totally out of character for them and not in their wheelhouse whatsoever with what their personnel is. And they still made new England look bad. So, I mean, you look at the roster and I appreciate the talent accolation that they've done with trading, you know, mid round draft picks and, and getting some guys that needed to change the scenery. Uh, But if those guys don't mesh, you know, new England might have their hands full. I still think this team probably wins 11, 12 football games, the new England Patriots, because They've won 12 football games for the last decade. It's just kind of the way it is. Uh, no, the, the the Dolphins are not going to win the AFC East. Come back to me on December 1st, and we'll, we'll talk about it all over again. What about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I mean, is is it is the a, the NFC South the, the conversation, or is it the NFC Championship game with Fitzmagic right now? I mean, I think Tampa should enjoy this ride as long as it lasts. <laughs> Because at some point it's going to come crashing down. Like Fitzmagic has had these fun little spurts, but it's never sustainable. And I don't think this is any different. Um, yeah, you uh, you preached pretty hard to me last year about regression to the mean, right? Yes. So there's a couple of teams. Kansas City, right? Patrick Mahomes, he's not going to throw for six touchdowns every single week. And he's not going to throw for what? What is he on pace for right now? 80 or something like that? Uh, yeah. He's no. got 10 through two games, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's on pace for 80 touchdown passes. Regression to the means going to be a little <laughs> difficult. I'm not – look. Yeah. <laughs> There's no rule saying that it can't continue. I'm just saying regression to the mean. It's a real thing. All right. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's go ahead. We'll end on your pessimistic note. We'll let you pull a John Ledyard and 
be a negative Nelly here to I'm end the really show. I'm not really that impressed. <laughs> Poor John. I hope he doesn't listen into this. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, whether you're live with us on Instagram live, or if you're listening to this at some point on Monday for tuning into uh, the draft dudes podcast, Instagram live, our Instagram account, the draft network. It's got some fun stuff. We're really trying to put out uh, some, some cool graphic designs type work. Uh, really trying to take advantage of reaching all of you in all of your favorite social media outlets. Uh, of course, we're also on Twitter. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I'm at grinding the tape. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks, that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel and I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming. And we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.